we go. Welcome to another dispatch, this time from Ukraine by Holly McKay. Holly, you were in Ukraine a couple of weeks ago, left and came back to the United States, and now you're back in in uh, Kiev. Uh, tell us a little bit about that journey in terms of uh, uh, how you got back there. Yeah, Dennis, so I spent a couple of weeks here, obviously doing a lot of reporting, going to Donbass. There was a lot of anticipation that an invasion may happen. But as weeks started to wear on, I think people generally sort of felt that it just really, it seemed impossible. It seemed like such a, uh, something that really a draconian thing that, that for no reason would happen. And then sort of when it did last week, and we're now in the sixth day of the war, um, I think it came to a shock of, for a lot of us who have been studying um, this particular region. So, uh, yeah, within that, I, I, I knew I sort of needed to come back and that it was such an important story. If, you know, one of probably the most pivotal stories that I have covered or, or will cover in my career as a war reporter. So I boarded a flight to Budapest and then from Budapest um, was able to, to sort of find somebody there to drive me to a small border village um, where I was able to help a few refugees. You know, I didn't know anybody. I stopped in a church. It was a little bit uncomfortable. Um, and then very randomly, just through a friend of a friend of a friend, friend um someone said they could pick me up from the border and it, and a journey that maybe should have taken about eight hours took me about almost 20 so i crossed uh, walked across the border from hungary into um into ukraine you know f- opposite way to where all the the women and the children were fleeing in and took this artist journey over the past sort of day without stopping um and because sort of of the safety situation we didn't go on main roads um, because of the chance of those being bombed. So we had to, to really go through these back roads and villages and we weren't allowed to drive with our lights on because it, it was curfew and, and we were driving. So there was a risk that um, our car could be shot at. Um, I will say it was probably one of the few times in my life where it was actually really beneficial to be, to be a woman and to be driving with a, a, an amazing woman driver who was sort of just like an angel. Um, and she and I, and another girl came with us sort of for partial parts of the journey, but we probably crossed around 40 or so checkpoints and, you know, we were lucky enough to be, to be sort of waved through because we weren't, weren't seen as a threat. And a lot of these checkpoints through neighborhoods were, were not official checkpoints. They were just basically people setting up their own little, you know, unofficial checkpoint to make sure they knew who was coming into their neighborhood. And then as you started to get closer to Kiev, that's when you could really tell things were getting serious because you started to see a lot more of a, of a military buildup and, and sort of these men just hiding behind sandbags and it was snowing and you, you really couldn't see in front of you. And so you'd see this was flash of light and you knew that there was a checkpoint. So, you know, you'd turn the, the car lights off and we would just turn our interior light on and then, you know, follow the instructions in, in stopping and, and, and going. So it was an incredibly weird experience because everybody had to have all the lights off. So it was just, you're in absolute darkness the entire way and, and barely pass, passing anyone on the road. So it was just a dramatically different Kiev to the one that I was here in a couple of weeks ago. Ah, there you go. Yeah. From hustle and bustle to, to, uh, desolation. Um, you know, I have to tell you, uh, uh, this one, possibly might top the one where you drove back into Afghanistan a few months ago, but eh, you know, um, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm kind of with you on that one, Dennis. I, I think this, this, yeah, walking it, it was, again, it's for me, it's such an important story that I, I, and you're as a friend, you know, I just, 
I feel very obliged to, to tell these stories to the best of my ability. And it was too, it's too major of a story for, for me to have, to have sit, to sit out on this one. So it was, it was an absolute logistical challenge. Everybody told me that it was not possible to get back into Kiev. Um, Kiev was surrounded, but as you can see, I'm in Kiev right now, right in the city center. And so I think the sort of the reports about it being absolutely surrounded from every direction are not quite accurate because if I can get in, other people are coming in and out. So there are corridors. So, um, that's just to kind of set that straight and, and we'll see it, it, right now. There is a, a large convoy kind of heading very close. So um, it's a, it's a daunting time. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Well, speaking of that, you know, now that you are back uh, essentially uh, at the cap in the capital of Ukraine, what's, what is the aura? What is, what, what does it, what does it feel like? How has it changed since the last time you were there only two weeks ago? And, and you know, what is the on the ground situation that people are worrying about? Um, I, <laughs> I mean, it's a ghost town. It's, it's, it's would be, it's really hard to explain. It's, it, there's nothing around. I mean, we're on curfew right now. Curfew starts at 5 p.m. and goes to about 8 a.m., I believe. And it's just a ghost city, even when it's not on curfew. There's very few cars in the street. You know, you may see a couple of people kind of looking like they're getting a bit of fresh air, but, but nobody's really moving. Um, it's very quiet. People are sitting in darkness right now. I've, you know, got all my windows drawn and just my lamp on to evade light. And the mood is, I mean, it's dread. That's what it is. It's dread. People don't know what's going to happen. Ukrainians are incredibly resilient. They're incredibly proud of what their military is doing and of their president Zelensky. He's really standing his ground. But, you know, they're facing a much bigger enemy. And, and, and whilst they're putting up an incredible fight, you know, you're looking at Russia, which has endless resources. And now that Belarus has joined the fight. So it's just, it is a dread, it is a dreadful kind of, um, feeling. And it's a very unique feeling because uh, none of us really know what what is going to happen, you know, over the next, um, you know, from hour to hour, really. Yeah. Well, you know, as you describe that, I, I have to tell you that the, the feeling I get from your description is, is one that I have not heard, uh, other than reading, uh, historical books on what it's like to be in the middle of a city being besieged and, uh, you know, so this is, you're, you've, you've walked into a siege craft situation. And so, uh, from the point of view of the resilience and, and, and the, the, the resistance that you see is going on, I mean, you, you went through checkpoints. How do you think the, uh, the Ukrainian military, uh, or the re- Ukrainian defense is, is, is real? Did they, what's your feel for that in terms of, you know, how long can they hold out or, or, or can you even conjecture about that at this point in time? I can't really conjecture about it. I mean, nobody thought that they would hold out this long. Uh, Zelensky's, you know, a lot of the uh, neighboring countries are donating weapons. Um, Zelensky's lifting visa restrictions so that people from other countries that want to join the fight can, can kind of do that with ease. I mean, even somewhere like Great Britain, which is typically, you know, puts people in jail if they go to fight, even for the good side, quote unquote, um, even they're, you know, allowing their, their citizens to, to come to Ukraine to, to join the fight. So it, it's just, it's something very incredible, Dennis. And I didn't think it was sort of a, this sort of type of war that I think that I would see, you know, especially in Europe, um, really in my lifetime and, and something that is 
really unprovoked. And that's what I think is, is baffling people. And Russians will really suffer from this, regardless of whatever outcome comes out of this war. Russians will, I mean, you can see their economy absolutely crippling. Um, they, you know, they've been kicked out of every little thing from FIFA to world rugby. Um, Russia, you know, Disney's pulled out, Netflix is pulled out. I mean, the, the, the cost just of the, the Russian people that, you know, I'm sure didn't want to go to war is, is extremely high. And so this is a, a huge story that is just sort of ever evolving and, and we don't know what exactly is going to happen. But really, it's it's changed the dynamic of the West absolutely, and I think at the end of the day, it's done counter to what Putin thought, and it's really brought NATO together, it's brought the West together, it's brought the European Union together. I mean, even neutral countries like Switzerland are, are kind of taking a stand. So um, it's something very incredible uh, what is happening, and, and we're looking at a, a very different world than we were looking at a week ago. Yes, indeed, and and. There you are in the middle of all of that, preparing to report in the unique way that you do, uh, not just about the, the global situation, which you just went over, but also the individual situation. Um, in closing, tell me, you know, so you, you drove through the countryside with these incredible women. Um, what have you learned? about the human aspect of Ukrainians and all of this in, in the refugees that you have met. And because I think people will want to know uh, who these people are and, and where these people come from in this desperate hour of theirs. Um, sorry, can you repeat that? Um, uh, I, 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 I would like you to tell me, uh, you know, what have you found in terms of the people that you've met along the way to get here and, you know, their character, their, their, uh, their resilience, their, their drive, their motivation, their fear. Um, you know, who are these people that, that you drove across the country with to get back into the I middle? I mean, the, you know, they're, they're, they're really, um, you know, they're women and children mostly because the men have to stay behind. And of course there are some exceptions to that, but, but women and children who just, who, and a lot of the time they're in Western parts of the country, which really aren't under war, but they're so scared that they don't want to wait for the war to get there. So they're leaving now. Um, and just very ordinary people, you know, one day they're going to school, going to work, living very normal lives. And the next thing they're fleeing to, to European countries and, and trying to get out, not knowing if they're going to see their husbands or fathers or, or brothers again. Um, so it's, it's, it's a terrifying time. You know, mothers are obviously terrified of their sons being um, taken off to war. And it's just, it really just, it, it's an emotional time and, and war, um, it shows you the best of people and it shows you the worst of people. And, and I just want to leave you with one incredible story as we were driving down, um, you know, from the Hungary border and we were picking up prescriptions for people that were in Kiev because there are no medicines in Kiev. And so we sort of had a list of requests from, from people and we were waiting at a pharmacy to get something. And, you know, one of the girls was reading it off and a man, sort of an elderly man just said, who is that list for? And, and, and my friend just looked at him and said, Keith. And he just pulled out his wallet and, and gave us everything that he had in his wallet and said, I, I wish I could give you more. So Ukrainians are really just coming together to support each other. And, and you do see the best in, in humanity. And it's, um, you know, what I've seen, the generosity, the ge- generosity of the Hungarian people. I mean, it just never ceases to amaze me. It's, it's a really, um, it gives me faith again in humanity despite this darkness. Uh, it, it does for me too, because 
again, you know, looking back historically, I don't think Europeans have felt this kind of pressure and this kind of fear um, basically since 1939. And, uh, and they're having to live this nightmare all over again. So, yeah. uh, you, we'll stay in uh, touch. We'll do regular updates. Yes. And, you know, we, we look forward to hearing more about uh, what happens in the coming weeks as, as, as you are there to observe. So thank you very much, Holly, and um, stay safe. All right. Thanks, Dennis.